Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockham Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score, your post uh, NFL draft edition. We made it through the uh, culmination of the football season, the 2021 2022 NFL, uh, or NFL college football season. It's done. The college kids graduated. They're on football teams now, the pros, and we can close the book and we can start looking towards summer and uh, fall of 22 and the the run-up to the new season. So if you weren't there mentally already, you certainly can be now. Everybody's got a fresh slate. Everybody's got new recruits. You've never lost a game, and optimism is high. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, BK, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, Nate. It's good to be back with you here on the show, man. Uh, excited to break down where some of these guys ended up going in the draft and where some of them landed afterwards as well. Yeah, yeah. So let's just jump into it because that is obviously the most important topic. The draft happened. Now, Missouri had two guys drafted. And I think that if you asked any, you know, any any Missouri fan, they'd go, yeah, that, that sounds about right. And it was the two guys that were most likely to go. Uh, Tyler Beatty, the running back from Missouri. And then a Caleb Evans, the uh, one-year loaner transfer cornerback from Tulsa, who spent the last year at Mizzou, uh, did pretty well in his loan season, and is now a Minnesota Viking. The order in which they were picked was kind of interesting, BK. Uh, Evans went first in the fourth round with the 118th pick uh, to the Vikings, like I said, the aforementioned Vikings. But Tyler Beatty fell all the way down to the sixth round, 196 pick to the Baltimore Ravens, meaning that Damian Nash is still to this day, <laughs> uh, the, the highest drafted running back of the past 22 years. Uh, he went in the fifth round, 142nd pick back in 2005. Um, from those two to start, what did you think of where they were picked? Uh, what does that mean? And what do you think of the teams that they're on? If, are they going to have success there? So uh, let's start with um, let's start with a Caleb Evans, and then we can work over to Beatty from there. So a Caleb Evans is in an interesting spot in that he went to a really loaded defensive backfield. Uh, you look at what they have out there in Baltimore, and man, it's it's kind of tough to be able to find where he's, or excuse me, in Minnesota to be able to find where he's going to fit into the mix. Um, they took him high enough that I think he'll make the roster in year one. I would not expect to see him as a guy that fits into the mix as like a starter or anything in year one. They clearly had going into this offseason a, a a priority to be able to go out there and improve their defensive backfield because you look at the way that they drafted this year and they threw a bunch of darts at that spot. And a Caleb Evans fit into the criteria of we're going to go out there and we're going to make sure that we add some depth and some length to the defensive backfield. So they got Andrew Booth. He's a cornerback coming out of Clemson. Um, and then they have Cameron Dantzler, who was their third round pick two years ago. He's very long as well. They brought back Patrick Peterson. It's just hard to see where he's going to fit in in terms of the starting lineup. So I would expect him to be a backup this year. He'll probably fit into the mix on special teams. And then the hope is that eventually he's a guy that can maybe work into a starting role there. With the Baltimore Ravens and them being the team that ended up picking Tyler Beatty, it's interesting because in terms of a team that's just going to use their running backs like crazy, it's a great landing spot, man. It's a fantastic landing spot. 
In terms of a team that has a lot of depth at the running back position, though, it's a terrible landing spot for Tyler Beatty. So they already have J.K. Dobbins, who everybody probably remembers from his Ohio State days. They've, mm-hmm. they've got a guy by the name of Gus Edwards, who was just the, I'm going to run forward and get you four yards. And if you need five, I'll get you four. That's mm-hmm. him. Justice Hill was a stud running back at Oklahoma State that hasn't really broken out in the NFL the way that I would have expected him to. Mm-hmm. And that's the guy that Tyler Beatty's probably going to have to beat out. Uh, because Justice Hill is that fast twitch change of pace back that they've used in recent years. If Beatty can beat him out, I think he makes the active roster and he ultimately fills in as their third down running back. If he can't beat out Justice Hill, I'm not totally sure that he's going to end up making their roster. I think he might end up being a guy that's playing in the preseason Beatty to be able to make a roster elsewhere. And that happens. Sixth round picks are not guaranteed a spot on the roster. I think Beatty will play for somebody this year. Mm-hmm. Hell, he could start a game for somebody this year, and it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> if injuries take place. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if Baltimore is ultimately going to be his landing spot. Hmm. Well, I saw I saw a tweet somewhere uh, that just said, special teams checks cash just the same as starter checks. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Yeah, if that's what it takes to get you in the league and get you on a team, embrace it. Do it. Kentrell Brothers has been a special teamer for in the NFL for a while. Uh, he got his start with the Vikings too. Um, so like you can you can do that. You you can make uh, you can make a career. Uh, maybe not a long one, but you can certainly give yourself a shot long term at a team and get uh, cash some checks as a special teamer. So Caleb Evans, uh, think be thinking about that. You know, for Beatty, I mean, this this is falling into territory that I do not enjoy, but he's my guy, so I'm going to do it. He's kind of been doubted since he got into college, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, is he too small? This this idiot right here flapping my mouth, I was the one that said, can he handle 20 carries a, a game? Shows what I know, right? Like, he, yeah, he could do that. He could deliver. And, you know, he's kind of an overlooked prospect, prospect a two-star uh, he bounced around to a couple uh, a couple schools as he was growing up, so not a lot of good tape on him. And you put him on the field, and the dude was freaking magic, man. He just he just got it done. So that's that's wading into intangible, like you know, oh, he's just got it, which I usually roll my eyes at, but like seriously, dude, Tyler Beatty has proven a lot of people wrong, kind of throughout his high school and college career. Uh, he's certainly got the mentality. He's certainly got the ability and uh, stamina and build to do something like this. Don't ever count Tyler Beatty out. I'll just leave it at that. And if he's got to beat somebody to, to find a roster spot, buddy, I, I'm going to bank on Tyler. I really am. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Beatty's incredible. <laughs> like we, we saw what he did this year. And the funny thing is, man, like if you look for a system that could make a lot of sense for him, it might be Baltimore. I mean, they hmm. they run a lot of the zone read stuff that he did a year ago with the with Mizzou, the inside zone stuff that they like to run. They'll also run some counters and some powers, and he's shown an ability to be able to do that as well. So uh, if you're looking for a place that makes sense schematically, like he was drafted to a really good spot, and they've got a pretty good offensive line. So in, in a lot of respects, it's a great landing place. It's just a place that's super deep. Uh, at the running back position. So it's going to be tough to be able to make the roster. But like you said, I'm certainly not counting him out. It's not a terrible landing spot. And he was a sixth round pick. So uh, wherever he went, there was no guarantee that he was going to be able to make the roster. I do like some of the spots, though. If you want to go to some of the undrafted free yeah, agents. Yeah. So w- obviously we had more than two guys in the draft. 
The ones who we know have signed with the team so far, Allie Green is with the Bears, uh, Keel Byers with the Packers. We've got Kiki Chisholm signed with the Packers as well. Uh, Mike Maietti is with the Stollers in Pittsburgh. Uh, Kobe Whiteside is with the Falcons, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> our slow, fast boy, Boo Smith, uh, is with the <laughs> Chiefs uh, with your boys. So um, of those of that grouping, which one do you like the best? Uh, I like Michael Maietti to the Steelers. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a perfect fit. I mean, it makes a ton of sense. I think he's going to be a guy that sticks. Like I, yeah. I just, I would bet on him. It reminds me a little bit of uh, God. I'm drawing a blank on the name that ended up going to the Ravens a couple of years ago. Tristan Cas- Colon yep. Castillo. Uh, he ended up sticking as a guy that was uh, not expected to make their roster. Ended up making a start for them, I believe, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's still there. I don't think he starts right away, but he's a guy that could easily come in and be their backup center from day one and do a pretty good job of it, man. He ended up being a really good player for Mizzou. When I was going back and rewatching some of his film to be able to put together our piece on, uh, breaking him down as an NFL draft prospect. God, he's just so solid. Everything that he did was just, he did a really good job with whatever his job was on any given play. So I really love that landing spot for him. And number two on this list with a bullet would be Kiki Chisholm going to Green Bay. They love, absolutely love big wide receivers on the outside. Now, Kiki Chisholm did not have a good pre-draft process. He was not fast. Uh, He did not run very well in the three cone. He can't seemingly turn very well, but he's big and he's strong and he can win at the catch point. And Aaron Rodgers knows how to use those guys. If I was to bet on a second player to stick with the current roster that they're on based on who they signed with in undrafted free agency, it would probably be Kiki Chisholm to the Packers. Nice. Those are my two as well. <laughs> I like those a lot. I, I will also say just to be uh, add a little more flavor. Allie Green to the Bears, I don't hate. I don't hate. I know they got a new GM and maybe he's trying to remake this roster in his vision or whatever, but Bears are also just not good. You know, they're just, they're not good. And if you want to make a team, you might as well make it on a bad one when they're trying to get better. You know, maybe you got a better shot of unseating the guy who's been there for a while. So I thought Green was a solid yeah, player they, when he was on the field. They have so too. little talent on the outside, man. Yeah. Like they've got Jalen Johnson, who they drafted in the second round a couple of years ago. They drafted Kyler Gordon on the outside this year. They've got one other player in the back end that's guaranteed to make their roster. Yeah. Like he, he could, if he does well on special teams, he can make that roster. Definitely. Yeah. I thought he was fine when he played for Mizzou. Like he just wasn't on the field all that much, but with, with the snap counts, he was Missouri's second most used corner. So like he was, he was solid. Um, so I, I, I do think he can, he can make a stick there. Um, let, let's have you put on your arrowhead pride chiefs hat real quick. Um, Boo Smith, what's the, what are the odds that he's going to stick around with this team? Zero. Yeah, we can move on. I figured. Okay. <laughs> good, good, good. Let's keep talking about roster stuff, though. Um, moving from the NFL draft back to our cozy comforts of college football. Uh, we had some roster movement, had some churn, had some guys leave. Uh, ben Key, the Aussie defensive tackle who had one year left uh, in his eligibility, he decided to hit the transfer portal. JJ Hester. The guy who Luther Burning was going to basically be stealing his job. Um, he uh, he also hit the portal. 
And then Stacy Brown, who was suspended from the team after an arrest from our lovely uh, MU police department. Uh, he also hit the transfer portal. Now you can read into that, whatever you want to read into it. But the point is, is he's not on the team. Neither is JJ. Neither has Ben. So that frees up some scholarship spots. Um, it takes the team to 84. If I remember correctly. Yes. 84 total right now. Uh, and it's, you know, they are, they are, uh, depth losses. Uh, obviously defensive tackles, very young, and there's a ton of safeties on the, on the squad. And now you got eight receivers, most of which are super young. So like, I like JJ a lot. I thought he could have done really well here. Um, but I understand why he left BK. What are your general thoughts on these three gentlemen going somewhere else? Yeah, not surprising to see Brown leave. Uh, not surprising to see Ben Key leave. And I just don't think they had a spot really um, on the roster that was going to make any sort of impact on the field this year. J.J. Hester's the one that really stinks, man. I really liked J.J. Hester. I think that he's going to appear somewhere else. I don't know where he's going to end up, but uh, there's a chance that he goes out elsewhere and ends up having a lot of success. Like that guy's just really talented, man. And I, it's still early wide receivers. They do tend to take some time to be able to develop. Uh, if he had stayed at Mizzou this year, I think he would have gotten a decent amount of playing time. I do not think he would have been a starter, but he would have been like fourth or fifth-ish in that rotation. Mm -hmm. And I think he could have made a pretty significant impact for them as their kind of go up and get it wide receiver. I'm disappointed to see him go. It stinks. I do understand it because like you said, Luther Burden probably ended up just taking his spot. And I think even T Toski Dove maybe was a guy that was potentially in front of him as well. So mm -hmm. when you see that, um, I, I understand why roster math wise he decided to go, but it stinks because I really always enjoyed him. And I thought he was a guy that was going to potentially break out this year, man, like watching his high school film. It's incredible. Now, I know he's not going up against like Texas or Florida level high schools, but Oklahoma was no slouch. And he was, he was very, very good in high school. And you could see like, okay, yeah, he's got the raw tools that he could, we can really put it together. This is a this is a steal. This is a good investment uh, with with a receiver if you give him some time. And I mean, he, he you know he did okay. He did okay here. He didn't get a lot of opportunities. Uh, he kind of had struggled to see the field consistently, uh, especially last year when Drinkwitz you know kind of went screw it. We're just playing the old guys all the time. Um, but after a redshirt season in in 2020, last year uh, played in all 13 games. Had 20 targets, 12 catches for 225 yards. Um, that's you know, that's 18 yards a catch. It's also 11 yards per target. So like even with you know a couple of drops or overthrows, the dude was making an impact when he was you know getting targeted on a route. Um, but yeah, Luther Burden. <laughs> Sorry, man. Like he's gonna take your spot. You also have like you said, Towski Dove. But Makai Miller was on campus in the spring. Jamarian Wayne is coming in in the fall. And I'm not saying those guys are going to be instant impacts, but like that's more competition with the exact role that he was trying to play. Mm -hmm. So it's, it was going to be very crowded and it's a lot of young guys. And he was, he's one of the oldest. Uh, Toski Dove is the oldest, but he was, uh, Hester was one of, I think the second oldest. And if he's getting passed up by a freshman, uh, yeah, go somewhere else, go somewhere else, tear it up. You know, it'll probably be, well, I'm not going to, I don't want to make it sound like he's not going to be able to call a shot, but like, you know, he's, he's a very talented receiver. 
there's not a lot of film uh, uh, production, I should say, uh, if you watch the film, but there is a lot of skills. So he's going to make some team very happy. And I, you know, I hope he lands somewhere that uh, he can be utilized uh, consistently and appropriately. Do you remember who it was that Mizzou was going up against at the end for his recruitment? Was it Oklahoma State? I, I don't remember who it was at the end that it was kind of between with them. But um, Mizzou has had a couple of guys end up going to Oklahoma State after they decided to transfer and it's gone okay for him. JJ yeah. Hester Christian going back Holmes to one. <laughs> yeah. JJ Hester going back to Oklahoma and playing for Oklahoma State would be a really interesting landing spot for him. So I'm looking at uh, the visits. He went to UCLA, he went to Texas, and he went to Oklahoma. UCLA, that's who it was. That's who it was. Yeah, it I, looks like he was UCLA was like the visit right before Mizzou in December. Yep. So yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's UCLA, Texas, Oklahoma, like that's legit. That's, that's oh, he legit. was a big time recruit, man. When they landed yeah. him, it was a really big deal. I mean, he was a a significant commit for them. So I'll I'll be really interested to see where he ends up going now. Yeah. Uh, he was he, he's he's a good player, man. He's he's a talented kid, and he's going to reappear. And you will see him on Saturday somewhere. I don't know where, but he'll see him somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said, we're down to eighty four scholarships. We'll see how long that lasts. We had a special visitor in Columbia over the past week, a guy named Gary Bohannon, uh, Baylor's quarterback, uh, God, Big 12 championship winning quarterback last year, Gary Bohannon. Um, he's transferring. Apparently spring ball occurred. Uh, they they went through all of their two weeks, had their spring game. Uh, and when the, everything came out in the wash, he was not the, he was not projected as the starting quarterback. Uh, some dude named Blake, Blake Shapin is looking to be the, the top guy. So Gary hit this transfer portal, by the way, not enough dudes named Gary anymore. <laughs> solid, solid name. Like, you know, chief of police is a Gary, you know, like, like the union boss is a Gary. You just, there's not enough, not enough Gary's out there. Anyway, but it's G E R R Y. It's a funky spelling. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the G A R Y, you know, good American grits and bacon kind of Gary that you're thinking of, but you know, Gary, he runs, he runs the diner, Gary. Um, anyway, Gary Bohannon is, is looking for a new team and he was on campus, uh, this past week. So we don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, it's been pretty silent since that visit. Uh, and it sounds like there's some other visits lined up. So obviously nothing's a given, but, uh, and we put this on Twitter last night or I did, uh, <laughs> when, when BK approached me and said, Hey, well, I guess I got to check out this guy's tape. Uh, usually when, when BK does this, it's a, tr- it's for a transfer and he, he'll send me some clips and say, yeah, this looks good. And you're like, Oh, here's some things that I'm noticing listeners. Uh, BK had nothing but good things to say. In fact, I believe a couple of clips were followed with an O oh, baby. Uh, so I think BK you're excited. And, uh, let me construct this platform for you to tell our listenership. Just why, ex- why you want Gary Bohannon on your team so much? So here's the thing. Were people excited when Mizzou landed Kelly Bryant? They absolutely were. What if I told you they could add a better version of Kelly Bryant? Because that's basically what <laughs> Bohannon is. Like uh-huh. he is a slightly more accurate, a little more physically gifted version of Kelly Bryant. And uh, when when Bryant left Clemson, everybody knew, OK, he's probably not going to be able to do at Mizzou what he did at Clemson because the supporting cast just isn't as good as it was, of course, at Clemson. That's pretty much what it was. And then he got hurt and the season went to hell. And we all know how that story went from there. 
I think Bohannon, like we've convinced ourselves on a couple of, or at least I have uh, convinced myself on a couple of different transfers that have been available to Mizzou this offseason. Jaden Daniels was a really high upside play where if he could recapture the form that he was two years ago, you could have like an all SEC, potentially the best, eh, not the best, but one of the three best quarterbacks in the conference type of a player. The chances of you getting that maybe were low, but it's a bet on the upside. JT Daniels was a man. This guy was such a superstar recruit, and it really hasn't worked for him in college for a million different reasons, most of which come back to injuries. But if you can catch lightning in a bottle and you can use his accuracy and it works for you, man, this could be a lot of fun. But you just don't know if it's still there because of how many injuries he's dealt with. So again, pure upside play. Bohannon's different. Bohannon played really well last year. Now, it wasn't special, but it was 2,500 yards from scrimmage, 27 touchdowns, mostly took pretty good care of the football, although there were some interceptions in there that you'd prefer not to have, but that happens with a college quarterback that's not at the elite level. And he adds some element of a running game as well. What you were looking for with JT and Jaden Daniels was the upside. What you get with Bohannon is the floor. You know he comes in immediately and you have, it's going to sound weird, but like a professional playing quarterback. You know that he's immediately going to come in and he's going to be a great leader. He's been there, done that. Anything you can throw at him, he's seen because he played for a team last year that won the Big 12 and then ended up doing a really good job in the uh, bowl game as well. He's done it all, man. He, he's He's seen what he needs to see. And this guy can come in right away and be a really solid quarterback that knows how to get the job done and can get the ball in the hands of his receivers. And he adds an element on the ground. So I love this one. This was the easiest sell for me. I could see him coming in right away and being a guy that takes Mizzou's offense from above average to pretty darn good. Like That's what you get with him. And I also understand why they decided at Baylor to go with his backup. Uh, this is a kid that's younger. He's going to be the future of their program. And he played really well after Bohannon got hurt last year, he got hurt. He had like a hamstring injury, it looked like, and just wasn't really the same after that injury. Meanwhile, Chapin played really well against K-State, Texas Tech, and then in the uh, in the Sugar Bowl, I believe it was, against Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, let's just do it. If you compare Gary Bohannon to Connor Basilek, okay, let's just do that. Keep in mind, they've played the same amount of games, but Connor Bazelak has thrown like twice the amount of passes because for most of those games, Bohannon was a backup. So keep, keep that in mind, but let's look at the things that, that strip out just pure numbers. Accuracy, Gary Bohannon's at 61%. Connor Bazelak's about 66, right around 66. Uh, sack rate, Gary Bohannon, 3.7%. Connor Bazelak, 3.6%. Uh, now, over those passes, Gary's thrown 20 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And half the passes that Connor Bazelak has thrown, keep that in mind. Connor Bazelak has thrown 23 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. So, uh, yeah, similar, uh, similar in the touchdowns, but way lower on the interceptions and about half the passes. But the thing, the thing that makes me interested above all else is that even with the passing numbers being pretty comparable, Connor Bazelak averages about 3.4 yards per carry. 
Gary mm-hmm. Bohannon averages 6.2. I'm sold. I'm sold right there. Because all I wanted last year was Bazelak to run the ball occasionally. And in your clips, you even pointed it out, the third down package for Baylor, if they call a pass, there is always the option for Gary to run it. And it seemed like they almost encouraged him to tuck and go. I went back and looked at all of his runs and like, they're all two yards, two yards, two yards, two yards. And it's like, they're all on third down or, you know, they're converting to second down and it's effective packages like fourth and one. Yeah. Plan was to get Bohan in the ball and Mm -hmm. get everybody out of the way. He would run like quarterback power. Like it was inside (laughs) the tackle stuff. He's a, he's a pretty big dude, man. He's six, three, 220 pounds. Like he is willing and able to take those hits. And if it's like, if it's third and six and they need to get a first round or a first down, rather, they will just drop him back, run a quarterback draw, and he will find a way to pick up those yards, even if it means mm-hmm. throwing his body into a linebacker. Yeah. Uh, it sometimes looks a little awkward when he does it, but it's effective, <laughs> man. He's really good with his legs. That's probably like his best ability is the fact that he can he can extend a play and throw on the run. And also the fact that he's a really good runner in the zone read packages and stuff like that. Yeah. And for reference, Brady cook is averaging 6.7 yards per carry, but that's only over 18 rushes. So, um, all we've been looking for is a quarterback. That's going to fit what Eli Drinkwitz wants. And for most of 2020 and almost all of 2021, it was very apparent that the quarterback that Eli Drinkwitz likes is what Connor Bazelik brings to the table. And for whatever reason, Brady Cook and Tyler Macon were not that. It seems pretty obvious that Gary Bohannon is a very similar quarterback to Connor Bazelik in the throwing department, and then you add the actual ability to be mobile, and I get it. I think it would make a lot of sense for Bohannon to join this team I think he adds an element that just has not existed. Uh, Certainly in 2021, most of 2020 with the mobility of your quarterback, Uh, which is something that, you know, Drinkwitz has has a little bit of experience with, not a ton, but like, it's just better to have your quarterback be able to run just flat out. You can do so much more with it. We saw it with Brady Cook. You watched a little bit of his app state teams, right? Yes. Their quarterback was Zach Thomas at app state. Dude could scoot. Do you see any similarities there? He was more of like a, a shifty, like yes. fast guy. He as was a quick hitter. More of a like power runner the way that Bohannon is. But mm-hmm. in terms of the usage, is is that maybe what Eli Drinkwitz is thinking about here? I mean, that's what I'm thinking about. And I'm, I'm assuming that's what Drink is thinking about. Thomas was not like the power guy. He's not going to Tebow his way 100%. through the middle of the line. But like he he would scoot. And, and he had that quickness to get to the edge and, and, you know, slide and avoid contact or whatever. Gary Bohan, I'm not saying he's like lowering the shoulder every single run, but like he can take a hit and keep going, but type of runner, whatever you can, you can work around that. The fact that those two are probably comparable and what you would look for is how Eli Drinkwitz is going to use them. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And it worked really well at app state. And I, I, it certainly would work better than what we had to experience last year. End of story. Yeah, I'll I'll be very curious to find out what Bohannon's plans are, because it sounds like he's going to take a couple other visits, one of which that I think has been reported now is South Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're telling me that he's choosing between South Florida and Mizzou, like I call me crazy. I, I like Mizzou's chances <laughs> in, yeah. in such yeah. a recruiting battle, um, but 
I, I think that it makes a lot of sense for him to come to Missouri because I just don't know how many other places that could be. And I'm not saying Mizzou is going to be like a nine and three, ten and two by type of program next year, but I don't know how many other programs that are at least expecting to be pretty good next year and that have the weapons that Missouri has now assembled are still looking for a starter. You know, there's just not a whole lot of spots that seem to fit that criteria. So just looking at it purely from Bohannon's perspective, unless there's some NIL stuff that I just it's impossible for me to know about. Um, I would think this is a pretty good situation for him, just as it is. It makes a lot of sense for Missouri as well. When he when he entered the portal, Nate, this is something that I sent you right away. I was like, hey, does this make mm-hmm. sense for Mizzou? Because it sure seems like it would be a good spot for him. Uh, and we both agreed immediately. This was before there was any interest known from Missouri side or that he was going to come for a visit basically immediately after entering the portal. It, it just makes a ton of sense, man. He's he's seemingly perfect for what they're looking for right now. Yeah. And, you know, if Mr. Bohannon wants to play at the next level, um, if you can do what you did at Baylor in the SEC, you're going to get a look. You're going to get noticed. I mean, you could you could probably win more games at South Florida, maybe. Um, but, like, if you really want to make it, you know, SEC players get way more benefit of the doubt than any other player out there. So uh, if that's his ultimate end goal, uh, then do it. Pull the trigger. I mean, Come Kelly Bryant got a camp invite, didn't he? He did. Yes. He was injured for half the season. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I- yeah. Kelly Bryant, SEC. Cool. Let's do this. I mean, you want to go like, you know how many scouts next year are going to be coming to Missouri to be able to watch Luther Burden? Like, I know he's a freshman, but we we know how this goes. Scouts Mm -hmm. want to have as much information as quickly as they can on these guys that they know are eventually going to be NFL draft picks. So they are going to be in Columbia next year to check out, Okay, is this kid what everybody says he is? And Mm -hmm. if he is, what's it mean for us two years down the road when we look at our receiver position? Um, You want to be the guy that's throwing him the ball? Because I would. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. Absolutely. He'd make me look good. Well, I, I, I have not seen any timeline on when he's going to decide this. I don't know when those other trips are, are decided, but at some point in the near future, we'll find out. And, Dad, it'd be great to add. I know that this, you know, we've, we've talked before about how adding quarterbacks means you subtract quarterbacks potentially. And, yes, all that. Uh, Bohannon has two years to play left if he wants it, uh, his senior year, and then the, the bonus year if he wants it. Um, so, you know, does that mean you lose a Brady Cook? Does that mean you lose a Tyler Megan? Maybe. Um, Sam Horn. But they missed their. They missed the the deadline. Oh, right? you're right. Well, I mean, they can still transfer. You know, once the season. But they'd starts. have to sit out a year. Um, yes, you wouldn't be able to just transfer to a new team immediately. So. Um, like, I mean, it could mean that they could transfer either mid season or at the end of the season based off of what they seem. But then maybe Gary does so well that he decides to leave and, you know, Missouri won eight games and, and he's, he's going to go pro. So like, I mean, who knows what happens? Um, but it's like I said, last, uh, last show, uh, you can like the guys that you have and then also want to continuously improve <laughs> and add depth. And I think this is that move. And then, and I guess we can talk about this a little bit too. I'm no MLB expert, but it sounds like Sam Horn is getting some some heavy uh, heavy whiffs of the MLB. <laughs> like he might get drafted. Uh, I've seen projections of the second round, but I also know that the 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 draft for baseball is weird. Uh, so I don't I don't know what that means. But 
I've said it back in February, and so I'll repeat it again. Like, there is a chance that Sam Horn goes pro in baseball, and he'd probably make less money doing that. Um, but if that is going to be the case, then you absolutely need to get another quarterback because, I mean, just two uh, is is a recipe for disaster in college football. Yeah, a lot of it just depends on where he's expected to go. Like, signability is always a question with these things, and if a team knows that a guy's going to go play college football, they just won't take him early, and then he'll slide, 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 and then he'll be in a spot where they know – okay, we're not going to be able to sign this guy. We're going to draft him, quote unquote, here, and that's going to open up more money for us to sign other guys. Um, But just as an example, like he is projected right now as a top 75 pick. That's kind of where the scouts that I've seen seem to view him as. The 75th overall pick in last year's draft had a slot value of $830,000. That's what his signing bonus would be. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go up from there, like if he has just a tremendous spring and summer, uh, the 50th overall pick is at $1.5 million. And where the real money starts to come in is if he got into the back end of the uh, the first round, if he was like a... It's a 30th overall pick. That's two and a half million dollars as a signing bonus. So that's when it starts to become more of a reality. I don't I I don't know anything uh, really a whole lot about him as a prospect. But based on what I've seen, it doesn't sound like he's likely to get up that high. So I still think he'll end up at Mizzou. But it is definitely something that has become more of a thought after him throwing 95 from the mound has become a thing again. Good for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if uh, Drinkwitz and Beiser are willing to share a guy, uh, but uh, he, he certainly could uh, if he could afford the time and and the injury risk. Uh, it sounds like he's going to. From everything that I've seen, it sounds like he is expecting to play baseball at Mizzou, and so is the tight end that they've got as well. Both of them are like real baseball players that are coming to Mizzou in part because they want to play both, and they're they're a team that's going to allow them to. So I knew Brett Norfleet was, and I thought that was the guy I was thinking of. I didn't realize it was like an expectation for him to do that. I guess I yeah, I think he I've is. Forgotten. Wow, well, be good for him. Could certainly use him. Um, mm. That's awesome. Well, uh, so yeah, well, again, just things to monitor as we go through. Um, so we'll we'll figure it out when we get there. Uh, but kind of continuing the focus on next season. <sighs> BK, I previewed Kansas State. I did it. And I actually feel worse about it than when I did before I started. Um, what do you know about Kansas State? What do you know about the 2021 going into 2022 Kansas State fighting Wildcats? That their football coach is amazing. Yeah. I really, really like Chris Kleiman. I think he is an excellent college football coach. Um, I just, everything that he did at North Dakota State is what he is now at K-State. Like He's running the same offense. He wants to kick your ass at the line of scrimmage. Um, And he is just, he has built a really solid team. Like it is, it's so funny, man. When you look at what they have become as a program now, it almost reminds you of what they were in their heyday. You know, mm-hmm. I, what, what they were under Snyder is kind of the type of team that he is building once again. Pretty much. Yeah. It's scary. And, you know, if you want, if you want a, uh, a college equivalent at, at the G five level, look at Craig bull at Wyoming. We know that guy. We remember him, right? You know, we, Kicked his butt in 2018, and then 2019, he kicked ours with the exact same recipe 
that North Dakota State uses. Move at a glacial pace, run it every single play, break a couple big ones here and there, and then when everybody creeps up, you hit them over the top with a surprise pass. It ain't rocket science, man. <laughs> like they just they recruit smart kids. They have a very specific way that they coach football, a very specific type of tactic that works when you're kind of being a hipster counter to what everyone else is doing. And it, it wins you national championships in North Dakota State and it wins you games at Kansas State. And a very young Missouri team is going to hit the road in the second week and they're going to face that. In fact, they're going to face that at the same time of program building that they face Craig Bull in 2019. That's when they're going to be running into Chris Clemens, Kansas State Wildcats. So if you like that game, you'll love this one. Uh, now, it's a different coach. Obviously, Barry Odom is not here anymore. We have Eli Drinkwitz, and maybe he's a better game planner, and he certainly has got better players, but um, it's it's a trap. Kansas State brings out the worst in you because they frustrate the hell out of you on both sides of the ball. Move very slow, very, play very sound. Don't give anything up big on defense and make you earn it down the field. Something that college offenses struggle to do. And if you got a very young team with a brand new quarterback, um, that that's a recipe for an easy road loss. And like you said, BK, last time, you can't afford to lose in the first two weeks. It saps the energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just one of those games where you're going to have a huge sigh of relief if you win it, and there goes all the momentum if you lose it. It's Boston College from last year. Like that, yeah. That's what this yep. is. There you you go. know, it, it's the same concept, and you look back at what K-State was able to do a year ago. Like They were really close against Oklahoma. They kept it really close against Baylor, and this is just a really solid team. You should fully expect this is going to be a one score game one way or the other. Like I, I, it's just hard to imagine a scenario barring something unforeseen in which this game becomes like a, a bloodbath going one way or the other. I think it's going to be <laughs> super close. And like you said, you're going to walk away feeling whew, we escaped that one. <laughs> D- didn't enjoy that one bit. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a whole lot of puckering going yeah. on and yeah. you are just hoping to be able to escape. Who's playing quarterback for them though? So that's Adrian Martinez. That is, that is your chance. That is your one shot at making this kind of making the machine fall apart. Skylar Thompson, uh, Fort Osage product. is great quarterback. He was six years. I think that he was at Kansas state and he was the ultimate, like don't make a mistake, make the smart play kind of quarterback. He's gone. They brought in Adrian Martinez now, if you don't know Adrian Martinez, that's fine. I'm a weirdo nerd, and I look into every corner of college football. But he was from Nebraska. Adrian Martinez is 70 years old. He might be. Uh, he was uh, class of 2018, I believe. Um, so he's been in Nebraska his entire career except for this year. Here's the thing with Adrian Martinez. Whatever Skyler Thompson was, he ain't, okay? He likes to take the risky throw. He is super mobile and likes to, like – try to beat uh, an edge to, to the corner and usually loses. Uh, he throws a lot more interceptions. He takes a ton more sacks. Now he throws for more yards than Skylar Thompson. He throws more touchdowns than Skylar Thompson. He runs for more yards than Skylar Thompson. He also has 30 interceptions to his 45 touchdowns in his five-year career. So you take the good with the bad. 
Now, if you construct the machine, if you build the robot to not make mistakes and it only stays together and it works if those mistakes are not made, and then you enter, you know, you put a stick of dynamite on top of it that it needs to throw. Um, sometimes it explodes with the bad guys. Sometimes it explodes on the good guys. But if every little gear needs to be in place and this one isn't, then the whole thing can fall apart. All of a sudden your offense is making stupid mistakes, giving the ball, turning the ball over. And then your defense gets put in a position where it can't do what it wants. It needs to be a little bit more risky. And then you start playing from behind. Like all of these things can build on top of each other and good teams can make Kansas state play out of their comfort zone. Peer programs, equivalent programs and programs that are worse than them can't do that. So you got to hope as a Missouri fan that Adrian Martinez has got his Brett Favre gunslinging type of ways that he won't get ironed out and kind of throws a, a wrench in the system. Um, that, that's, that's really your big hope there. Otherwise it'll just be another miserable day. Yeah, he's he is that high risk, high reward type of guy that we all know and uh, sometimes love. And other times you're like, God, I just want nothing more than to not watch this guy play football anymore. Um, Adrian Martinez is just good enough to drive you insane as an opposing fan and just bad enough to feel like you always have a chance to be able to get back into the game because he's the other team's quarterback. Like that is Adrian Martinez. Um he is very talented, and when he's right, he can give Nebraska a chance to be able to beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. And when he's wrong, he can make sure that Nebraska loses to Purdue at home. <laughs> like, yeah. that is him. <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't know how else to put it, but I do think that the infrastructure around him is going to be significantly better at K-State than what he had around him at Nebraska So I fully anticipate he's going to be a much better player. But if you're looking for the guy that should scare the hell out of every Mizzou fan right now, it's Deuce Vaughn, who is one of the better running backs in the country. And what Tyler Beatty did for Mizzou, like that's basically Deuce Vaughn, but at Kansas State. I mean, he, he had 50 receptions for them for almost 500 yards a year ago and carried the rock 235 times. For 1,400 yards. Mm -hmm. That dude was everything for them. And if you let him get going on the ground through the air, you got no shot. If you can contain him, you should be able to contain their offense. And that's pretty much the story of K-State. Sounds easy (laughs) until you go out there and have to actually do it. Good luck. (laughs) Yep. I mean, you got to... The crack in the armor is number one, Adrian Martinez. And then number two, that they're basically rebuilding an offensive line because they played a really, really tight five man rotation did not get a lot of other guys in there. had really good injury luck. Uh, and I think three or four of those guys are gone. So that's important for a running game, but Deuce Vaughn is Darren Sproles reincarnated, right? Just the same height, a little bit heavier, but just the same amount of usage. And the most perfect Kansas state thing ever is that their best receiver, Phillip Brooks is number one, Five seven, number two, an unranked kid out of Lee Summit, <laughs> and then their best defensive player is a guy who is also uh, a two star guy from Lee Summit. So like that is that is just the perfect encapsulation of of K State football. It's going to work. It's going to be frustrating. You gotta yeah, like you say, you gotta neutralize the run, and hopefully they gotta get a little bit more risky. Um, 
But it, all, all you old farts who grew up in the Big 12 like I did, like, it's not easy. <laughs> That's why they won games. It seems so simple. And you look at the play design, like, how do you not stop that? But it's just, it's so, they're so good at what they do. They know what they want to do, and they're so good at getting to it that they can beat a, a, a superior, talented team like LSU easily if you are sloppy or unprepared. And I just got to hope that this Missouri team, this Missouri staff can be prepared in week two because uh, it would go such a long way to win this one. I just, ugh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Blake Baker's getting tested early. Like that, that's the other thing is we're going to find out pretty quickly what kind of metal he has as a defensive coordinator. And you should have better roster talent on the defensive side of the ball this year. Um, but I mean, going up against K-State week two, you're going to find out exactly what his type of scheme looks like against a run heavy offense. Uh, we saw the last couple of years that was not always the forte <laughs> of defensive coordinators yeah. because it can be difficult because like it's so simple what K-State wants to do, but they are so good at it that you almost drive yourself crazy trying to find complicated ways to go about defending it. And sometimes it's just best to be like, you know what, they're going to try to do what their best is and we believe our best can beat their best. You just yeah. have to trust it, you know, and so... <laughs> I'll be very curious to see what the game plan looks like going into that one. But in the first three weeks of the season, that's the game. Mm -hmm. You circle that one, sharpie it, mark it down. I might try to go out to that one if I can figure out a way to do it. But uh, that's going to be a really fun matchup, man. K-State Mizzou should be one that everybody circles on their early schedule. I am not being facetious when I say do make an effort to get yourself to Manhattan, Kansas. I'm not saying go take an extended weekend there. No, go there for two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when was that? That was 2009 when Denario had that awesome game. Um, I went there with a bunch of friends. We had a kick-ass time. Uh, Ty from Breed on the Cats was our was our host. He showed us all the good spots. Uh, Missouri won, which also made it a lot easier to enjoy. Uh, there's nothing heading in and there's nothing heading out, but uh, Aggieville... They're kind of bar scene in Manhattan. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Perfect. There is, and someone can help me out here. There is a bar there that is in a basement of a building um, that is designed as an old, old pirate ship, basically. So you got like wooden planks on the inside. Everything's kind of slanted. There's little one watt red bulbs everywhere. So you can't see anything. Uh, but the drinks are cheap and the atmosphere is tremendous. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would suggest going to Manhattan, Kansas and just walking around because it's, uh, it's a great place for a college football game. And, and that's about it, but that's okay. That's okay. I was about to say that that's that's what it needs to be, right? It's a, it's a yeah. true college town. Um, and it reminds me of some of the stories that you would hear about Snyder flying out kids and then driving them into Manhattan at night <laughs> yeah, just night, to yeah. make sure that they wouldn't see what the surrounding area looks like. And then they wake up and you're in the college town, right? And you're just surrounded by like all these college bars and the campus and everything. So it looks great. And you have no idea that you are 45 <laughs> minutes away from civilization in any direction. <laughs> yeah. Them, Texas Tech, uh, you know, UT, uh, UTAP, you know, that's that's just some of those college towns where it's like Ugh, that's that's a tough sell. But anyway, do find your way out there. That's that would be a good one. Um, 
Do you want to talk about how dumb the NCAA is to wrap this up real quick? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, let's talk about that. Since uh, I don't see the bat signal being followed up anywhere, listeners, if you are unaware, Eli Drinkwitz put up a little notification that we might be getting a commitment uh, type of news piece item. And uh, I think kind of going slow and recording late in hopes that we would catch it, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So instead, we get to talk about how stupid the NCAA is. Okay, so earlier today... Um, from, uh, I saw a couple people post this. Brian Fisher was the first on my timeline. Um, but he said source NCAA D one council will discuss and likely vote in two weeks to waive the 25 man counter limit in football. Notably, this is a waiver and in its current form will be just for the next two years. Coaches will be able to go above the 25 slash 32 limit scholarship limit. As soon as the end of this month, now 25 scholarships for uh, the roster plus 32 if you have up to seven guys transfer out in a single offseason. That is what he's talking about. BK, I retweeted it, and I think you immediately responded with, why? (laughs) Is that still where you're at right now? I mean, basically, so I just don't understand why this was necessary. Um, I, I understand that in theory, the hope is that you've got programs that had a bunch of kids that transferred out and you're getting just decimated by this transfer portal. Maybe it's NIL related, whatever, right? Or a coach was fired and then all the kids were like, oh, we're out of here, whatever the reason is. And the hope is that you're able to get high school kids more opportunities to take those spots because they've been getting screwed by this whole process because there are so many guys available on the transfer market right now that there are some teams that are saying, hey, we've got kids that we, kids, we've got these transfers that we can go to that we know exactly what we're getting when they bring them in. And they're eligible for two or three years because they've got this extra COVID year. Or we could go into the high school level where we're really projecting and yeah, they've got four years of eligibility, five years of eligibility, but we don't know what we're really getting out of them. And so the cost-benefit analysis there is pretty simple. We'll take the kid that we know as opposed to the unknown. So I understand that is the hope, right, if you're the NCAA. But we all know what the unintended consequence of this is, right? Like places (laughs) like Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson or Georgia – The places that recruit the best, now instead of having to get rid of that four-star that, ah, man, we got 23 kids in this class. We're about to go over our limit. We've got this five-star that's looking for us. Hey, man, you got to go somewhere else. They're just going to keep him. (laughs) They're just going to keep more of the good players. And so there is just every time the NCAA does something like this, I think they just forget that, oh, that is something that could happen here. They did it with the COVID year where they just said, ah, universally, everybody gets one year to be able to play whenever they want to use it. And for the for the next five years, none of us, including coaches, know who's actually eligible to play for how long. Like, it's just all funny math right now with that, with the eligibility. So you've got that going on. And at the same time, you've got these transfers where you've got the free transfer. And then some of them have like the free COVID transfer thing. And we're not really sure who that applies to or if they're going to need a waiver or any of this. 
And then you also add in the NIL, which is the wild, wild west, where some of it feels like it might be pay for play. And then others like, nah, maybe it's not. And you've got guys going for nine figures. And it's just like, whoa, all of this is happening at the same time. And now you're adding this to the mix when you didn't need to do it. It's just unnecessary. So I I think this is one of those things that a year, two years from now, we're going to look back on it. We're like, man, that I don't think that's exactly what the NCAA thought they were going to accomplish with that. And it didn't quite go as expected. But um, I think they have one clear belief as to how they believe this is going to go. And they're putting their head into the sand and hoping that's exactly the way that it goes. Nate, where are you yeah. at on this? Uh, I'm not too far off from that, actually. They always view this with the, they almost be big 10 people who love academics because it's just like, yes, well, the scholar athlete needs the opportunity. And, you know, just you're forgetting that the SEC plays college football is what you're really doing. And this is just an opportunity to hoard as many uh, blue chippers as you possibly can. Now, and let's, let's spin this in a more, uh, a more positive light. So Right now, for for example, for for example, Missouri, the team that you know so well, Missouri right now, at this second, has seven guys that they know for sure, seven scholarship players guaranteed to leave the roster after the twenty two season. Sean Kading, Jake Hoffman, Tyrone Ho- Tyrone Hopper, Connor Wood, Hyron White, Zeke Powell, Baird Bannister. That's it conceivably everybody else on this roster could come back. Now, will there be some transfers? You bet. Will there be some guys who don't take that bonus COVID year? Sure. Absolutely. Will there be some third year players who are like, I want to go into the draft? Probably not, but you know, maybe um, uh, Tyron Hopper, the, the, the younger Hopper. Yeah, he could go. So, like, yes, there could be scholarships not scheduled to come off that come off at the end of the season. Yes. But right now, Missouri is recruiting as if they have seven guaranteed scholarships to go and that they're realizing that they need, you know, X more to leave if they want to bring in Y number of players. What this does is... It means that these the staff is going. If nothing changes, this staff will have to talk to those seniors who have a bonus year left and say, "Uh, yo, if you want to keep playing, you should probably look somewhere else. We'll help you, but you should probably look somewhere else." They have those conversations, and maybe the kid wants to actually stay and play for Mizzou, but the staff is saying, "No, I can't let you do that." Because I can't have you eating a scholarship spot for yet another year when we're trying to build, you know, bring in another 25 guys and you're sitting here. They would have those conversations. I'm not going to tell you names, but I'm sure you all know that some of the, the, these transfers that are happening, they're not all voluntary. Okay. Some so of these wait, are. Are, are you suggesting that the NCAA tried to solve the transfer portal problem by actually making it worse? Yes. Dig deeper, baby. Just keep digging. They are addressing one very specific issue with, like you said, putting their head in the sand about every other issue. But what it does is it means that these kids don't have to get pushed away. 
That's that's what it seems to me is 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 a benefit is that you don't have to push away the guys who want to stick around. And you can bring in a full 25-man roster, 32-man roster for the next two years while we wade through this other ludicrous decision that we made where the eligibility stop, clock stopped for everybody in 2020. So they're, putting, they're trying to fix a dumb decision with an idiotic decision. That's basically what they're doing. And I understand some of the benefits, but like you said, this is college football. Everything is scummy and dirty, and any any noble attempt will be undermined by 17 different ignoble attempts at, at doing this. So it's yet again just uh, a bunch of incompetence uh, running the NCAA in the name of the student-athlete, BK. And uh, this, this wheel's just going to keep on turning for the rest of our lives. And we keep going as... Uh... Well, what's his face? Mark Emmert is uh, announcing that he's going to step aside. I can't wait to see that the mess, uh, the mess that the next president of the NCAA inherits. It's going to be uh, quite the experience, to say the least. Look, man, you get paid two million dollars to have everybody hate you. Uh-huh. Would you do it? Like, seriously, would you would you take that amount of money per year to be openly mocked and hated by basically anybody that you talk to? Would you do that? I mean, listen, would I take a job that's going to pay me $2 million per year to do just about anything? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not above that. I have no shame. I'm more than happy to do that. Now, that being said, um, am I going to take it long term? No, I, I think I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an antiquated organization that needs a serious overhaul. I'm not sure if the next uh, guy or girl is going to do it. I'm not sure what uh, continuous unraveling of the institution is going to be occurring under their watch. But uh, Mark Emmer came in to do one job, which is to be bad. Did a pretty good job of it. Got paid pretty well. And, uh, you know, if he's got a good therapist, I think he's going to live his life, the rest of his life, very happily. So uh, kudos to that guy. But uh, still no bat signal. So uh, I guess that's going to be our show for today. Uh, BK, any, uh, any parting shots? I think that's it, man. I think we had a pretty good show. Um, I... I'm very curious to see what the next few weeks looks like for Mizzou as the transfer portal at this point is, is full. This is what you're going to be yeah. able to have. I would think you'll probably see some, a, a couple more additions maybe uh, over the next couple of months before they get into uh, the real heart of summer workouts and then into fall camp. But uh, as of now, I, I think you've got to be pretty happy with the way that the team looks and the fact that they didn't lose a ton of guys and especially key contributors to the portal. That's the thing. You don't want to lose a lot of contributors. Sucks to see JJ go, but uh, for the most part, uh, Missouri did pretty well in the transfer portal so far. And hey, maybe they do even better by the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will see. Uh, like I said, you know, we'll keep track of everything and let you know what's going on. Uh, that's why you you pay us the big bucks to come to Rocket Nation because that's why we're here. But that's going to be the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rocket flagship at Rocket Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.